0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of my channel on poetry. I am so excited to be featuring poets, some of my pressmates from Cornerstone Press out of the University of Wisconsin at Stevens Point. I am thrilled to be talking with Heather Burbeau, who is one of my pressmates. Uh, Her poetry and fiction appeared in 100 Word Story, Alaska Quarterly Review, The Kenyan Review, Meridian, The Stockholm Review of Literature, and Swim. She is a winner of the La Piccoleta Barca inaugural competition and the Chapman Magazine Flash Fiction winner. She has been twice nominated for a Pushcart Prize. Her journalism has appeared in The Economist, The Financial Times, Foreign Affairs, and Foreign Policy. Uh, She was a contributing writer to Not on Our Watch, The Mission to End Genocide in Darfur, and beyond. With Don Cheadle and John Prendergrass. I can never say that right. She has worked with various UN agencies, including the UN Peacekeeping Mission in Liberia and UNICEF Somalia. Her collection, Some Days the Bird, is a poetry conversation with the Irish-Australian poet Anne Casey, Beltway Editions 2022, and her latest collection, which is the one we will be discussing today, Monarch, is a poetic memoir of overlooked histories from the U.S. West she was raised in. This is the one that uh, Cornerstone, Cornerstone Press published this year, 2023. Welcome, Heather. I'm so excited to talk to you about this very unique and amazing collection. Um, As someone who lives in Washington State right now, it's been um, just feeling the air around me as I'm reading this. I read while I walk instead of stare at my phone. And this has really changed how I've walked around um, the state that I've called home for the last 16 years. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm, ex- I'm so excited to talk about this collection with you.
1: Well, now I want to nerd out on Washington with you. Where <laughs> are, are you Western or Eastern? We'll just leave it at that. We don't need to be specific, but yes, I'm,
0: just- I'm Western. Um, it feels like two different States for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say, I like the, the weather, uh, better in Eastern. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. because I'm in Colorado. So it feels a lot oh, like yeah. that's home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are you're from this uh, region as well. Uh, yeah, raised- I was born
1: and raised part of the time in Reno. Then um, middle school, my uh, parents and I moved to Sacramento. And then when I was seventeen, I moved in with other family in San Francisco. And um, but my mom was. Uh, originally from Bend, Oregon and multi-generational, like fifth generation Oregonian, and my dad was second generation Spokane. So and but we have family in what you know, as one does when you come from eastern Washington, we also have family in western Washington. And um and Western Oregon as well. So yeah, Portland, Eugene, the coast, yeah.
0: Excellent. So kind of all over this uh, Pacific Northwest and beyond region.
1: Yeah. And then I had other family in Southern California. And yeah, so we grew up traveling constantly um, at least eight hours to see any other family.
0: Right. Um, yes. Yeah. It was a Big little <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is that. Uh, what has, I'm going to ask about inspirations for this, because um, it's a sweeping history. It starts from like the beginning of time and goes until now, um, which is a, quite a feat to do in uh, 80 or so poems. Um, and I'd love to hear some inspiration uh, about how how this idea of the collection of Monarch came about um, for you.
1: Yeah, I wanted Monarch to be the histories I wish I had been told. Um, as I engaged with this this land and the communities in this land and the communities that are no longer able to be on this land as well. So I really wish that I had had a fuller sense of of the scope um, and not just, you know, I wanted to look at the heroes also that were forgotten. Um, so it's not <laughs> it's not just, you know, a horrible things that humans have done to each other or done to this this geographic land. Um, yeah, the inspiration was was in part because I started. I noticed over the course of a few months, I'd I'd written a couple poems that just happened to be dealing with these these histories, and I just kept sort of deep diving. And then I was um, because I like to to. Just, I like to learn. I'm very curious. I like to learn history. Um, and I was driving up to the Siskiyou, where we used to have gold mines uh, in my family. And um, it was on the road <laughs> headed towards uh, Sawyer's Bar, where uh, near where we were that it just sort of hit me. I was like, you know what, these really should be part of a larger collection. And, and I had been a big fan of Sean, um, her book from Sarah band, which is called 20 minutes of silence followed by applause. And it really uses different forms. It's, I wouldn't say it's poetry. I wouldn't say it's journal. It's beyond genre in a beautiful magical way. And it, made Marcel Marceau appealing to me. I really not a big fan of the miming <laughs> but I am a huge fan of this book and you know it, she I had said something to her at one of her readings when that book first came out about how amazing it was and blah blah blah. she said, but well, you could do it And it just stuck in the back of my head. I love offhanded comments like that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we all can do that. And um, so I knew I wanted to have more traditional poems be the bulk of the book. But I I very quickly um, on that trip realized there were some things that were so big they weren't going to fit into a more traditional poem form and then some things that just noting the the items you know creating a list poem was going to be powerful so i pretty quickly knew i wanted to have this format of a timeline starting each state section and a list poem ending each state section but that was you know in large part you know she gave me permission <laughs> And then my friend Vince Montague, who's also an amazing writer, and his memoir just came out, Cracked Pot. Um, we we both gave each other permission to, to pursue these manuscripts that weren't mm, sort of traditional. Um, so I'm giving everybody who's listening right now permission to do that. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need some random person to say, yeah, sure.
0: Yes. You never know what will spark. Um, I love that. I love writers giving writers permission and there's just that moment of, yeah, why not? Why not me? I love that so much. Um, that answer has touched on a lot of the things that I wanted to ask you about. One of which is, um, how this collection came together. Um, so, uh, when I was thinking about the structure, the form, not just of each poem, but of the collection Monarch, uh, it seemed, um, like it itself was a collection. There are these, the list poems are so powerful. There's, that's what originally got me thinking about the land that I walk on, um, in, in the state of Washington differently than I have, um, since I've lived here for my entire adult life. And just the, I started making lists in my head too, about what, what I'm, what am I actually looking at? What do I know the name of that tree? Did I just step on a plant? What is that animal that just ran across my path? Um, And so I, in seeing how poetry shapes our thinking um, and shaping our, the reality as we move through um, the, the land that, that we know it now but that yeah we weren't told um about and how it as how it was before before we got here um and I so I'm interested in um how uh so it in my collection the poems that in the um the collection I have that's in the same series the that yours is they are they've been written over the, from like the last 15 years to now. Um, and I didn't realize I was writing a collection, uh, but yours sounds in- intentional. Like I want to tell people what I was not told and I want to make these histories come alive. So like, what is the time frame and span of these poems that are in that appear in Monarch? Do you mean
1: of the histories that are covered or how long did it take me to write the collection or both?
0: Yeah, both kind of. Okay. Um, did you did you always know you were writing a collection? Did that kind of sneak up on you? And sort of, yeah. How how old are the poems in terms of that you've written in that collection too?
1: So it snuck up a, a, a kind of early on me, mm-hmm. um, which I'm grateful for. So I <laughs> yeah. had a bit of sense
0: wrangling at the end. Yeah,
1: um, I I maybe had written. Three poems in 2019. Over the course of 2019, um, I mean, gosh, was it 2019? What is time? COVID? Oh, right, um, not even his time anymore. Might have even been 2018. Okay, we'll just we'll just hedge it. <laughs> but I'm 90% sure it's 2019. <clears throat> I had written a few poems. Um, a Man Named Remembrance recalls the gold rush and Fugo, for sure, were both written in like August, September of 2019. And those were those were among the first two. And, um, or those were the first two. And, it, like I said, it was when I was driving up and just sort of considering, oh, maybe I'll do a Salmon River poem or a Sis, you know, Siskiyou Gold Gold Claim poem or something. <laughs> then I was just like, no, that I I needed to be a whole collection. It's bigger than just the one off here and there. And once I saw that, the rest of it. Very much fell into place, and I knew I wanted to, with particularly with the timelines, be able to capture certainly pre European settler and, um, you know, pre white people, <laughs> um, history, um. And also I wanted to cover the the myth that it was only white people moving west because that's another wonderful story we like to tell everybody uh, <laughs> with manifest destiny which is an absurd an absurd term that anyway so I knew I wanted to cover the breadth of it but I also wanted to cover, you know, recent history and make people think about the fact that uh, the events that are happening now shape our future. So I wanted, I know it was super ambitious, but I wanted to have a little dabble of this and a little dabble of that. And it was definitely the histories that, um, like I said, I was i was gravitating to naturally because I, I wanted to deep dive into some things that I thought I knew. But then when I really paused with it, I was like, I really don't know some mm-hmm. of these
0: things. Yes. Yes. And that sort of leads me to the uh, question about um, research. And um, I can't even imagine the research that went in to this book. I mean, we're starting from, yeah, as I said, time immemorial to there were references 2017, the 2020s. I mean, we're covering kind of not all of history because no one poem can do that, but just this colossal time span and I just, I would love to hear about the research and kind of, where do you even start?
1: <laughs> like that. Yeah, well, I'm going to give a plug for um, <laughs> going to the Cornerstone Press website and going to the Monarch section, because I do have a 21-page bibliography and a teaching guide that go with um, the book. And... Um, Dr. Ross Tangadol has kindly offered to any educators who want to have, uh, want to use the teaching guide. If you contact Cornerstone Press, he will do a limited edition bound copy of the teaching guide as well. He has offered. So do you want to, do want to throw that out there? Yes, absolutely. Um, I also, I, you know, I'm a former journalist uh, and a naturally curious person. So I really would like deep dive into, you know, something caught my eye or I knew I wanted to go down a, ra- a particular rabbit hole. I would try to get as many uh, contemporaneous sources and then also historical looking back sources um and try to get a mix of first hand second hand third hand accounts um and I also then went through the process of trying to contact uh people who were of of particular communities and were um historians or cultural Um, the cultural, uh, you know, ambassador or connector to different communities to have them make sure I wasn't saying first anything historically inaccurate or offensive, but also capturing, like maybe there was something else that they, that I had missed. Like, what did I miss? What was I, you know, not seeing? And so that was an incredibly important part. um, And I try to give acknowledgements to everybody in in the book um but that was an incredibly important part to the process and and some poems did shift after those conversations and and reviews with those people
0: i love that it makes me think of there's this uh Phrase that's common among writers, and and maybe not as as much writers, that writing is a solitary act, and this is making me think how that isn't necessarily the case. Um, do you feel? Uh, I guess I'll just say how how do you feel about that uh, that idea that writing writing is a solitary act? We 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 do it alone um, as the writer, and our what we produce um, is is our is solely from us.
1: Ooh, I don't want to sound like an improv person, but it's yes and. I mean, clearly my (laughs) my, um, actual writing of it was solitary, but I certainly edited this with not just those, you know, people uh, who are from those communities or historians who were the experts and, you know, who literally wrote the books on some of these um, issues, or, you know, but also with my, you know, I have uh, a poetry group that is a, a critique group that has been longstanding. These are people I very much trust. They know my writing. So going to them or a couple other people who, um, you know, again, that I trust and I've known for a long time and we know each other's work and I trust their their eye and edits So, you know, it's, yes, the actual act of writing is solitary, but I think the craft of writing is not.
0: Oh, I love it. Yes. The act of writing is solitary, but the craft is not. Yes. I heard so many voices in this um, as I was reading this collection. Uh, And um, in particular, there's a couple of times where the, the first person appears Um, It appears somewhat sparingly, but um, it does appear there. And I I was very intrigued uh, by those by those speakers. Um, This collection is it's it hit me as very full of people, like full of ghosts and villains and leaders um, and victims and overcomers. Um, And I want to read just a a line that jumped out from um, the poem Black Friday. It says, but no sign to say you are walking over the dead, no way to know your complicity. Um, And that is addressing you, the reader. And I'm reading this as I'm walking (laughs) over. I'm in a park um, and I'm bare feet in the dirt and I'm reading this line. And I'm like, yeah, there would be no way for me to know my complicity. There would be no way for me to know this. It's been so, this park is so manicured and there's paths and there's this nice presentation of what nature is. And I've walked off the path, of course, and um, now in the dirt. And there would be no way for me to know except for this voice that comes in from Black Friday. And then from the poem Kirpan, perhaps they wondered why mercy is the onus of the victim i i was in public and i jumped up and screamed so there's that um, <laughs> i have to share if you read um this work in public you might get funny looks and and it started a conversation so there was that um but i wanted to, to there's just there are so many stories that are woven in throughout it's just such uh, it's um such superb skill i wanted to um know about these these speakers and the the whether they're the i or not the first person speaker which do pop up occasionally um and how how the many speakers of these poems um how they relate to you and how you relate to them
1: well any i in there is me or is i for correct English <laughs> any any i is i um, and the you is also self-referential in many ways. Um, But I wanted to bring it to all of us, right? Um, I wanted to engage the reader directly sometimes. So that, yeah, so there is a little pause in thinking about, like, (laughs) you know is it critical to have an old Navy on shell mounds
0: for instance? Right. <laughs> right. And it did, it was this line that, that I read the, uh, no way to know your complicity that really invited me in as like, I am being directly addressed and, um, it, but it's not this like sledgehammer accusation. It is an invitation into, well, you, 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 There's no way for you to know your complicity, but now that door has been cracked. My complicity in what? Right.
1: Yeah. So I definitely didn't want it to be like, you know, finger wagging, constant finger wagging. I really want people to read this and question Why they haven't learned some things and why certain voices have not been brought to the table, or if they have, how have they been presented? I want people, yeah, to come away with a little bit more of a a critical eye and trying to engage their own relationship to the history of of wherever they come from. It doesn't have to be specifically these four states and and just be a little bit more, um, you know, the term critical and critical theory, it's all being, you know, (laughs) it's been changed. The definition of these terms have been used for political purposes and to undermine. The meaning of these terms in my opinion but I do want people to have a bit more of a critical eye and that in- includes questioning me and my biases in what I have presented I do not believe I am without bias and because I am a human being walking this world and so I invite people to enter into a conversation with me, or with with among them, you know, with their with their people or whatever, about what they perceive as my biases, um, and hopefully that gets us all to a place where we're trying to to have a better, fuller, more holistic understanding of our communities and the way that we engage with our environment and each other. Because right now we're repeating history. I mean, I have the Tacoma Method is a poem that very explicitly talks about anti-Asian hate in the mid-1800s that is sounding, a lot of the rhetoric is sounding very familiar. And I think that's because people haven't questioned, don't know, and haven't questioned what went down, uh, 160 plus years ago.
0: Yes. I, when I was reading that poem, I, um, for a brief second forgot that it wasn't about today because it just seemed so like, oh yeah, I, did I, I think I just read a news article that was like, what all of this is just repeating all of this. Um, And I, that's what I love uh, about the, um, when you were talking about your research and it was including conversations with people and you're asking, what have I left out? What, what have I forgotten as as I'm um, trying to unearth and bring stories that have been forgotten um, themselves. And I, I love that this collection to me felt like it was an invitation into that conversation. um, And that it was, it wasn't a, well, here's what you weren't told. It was, here are these, these lists, these collections, just those list poems. Um, I'm seeing this on the beaches as I'm walking in Washington. Like, yes, you would find various things like this, but now I'm collecting pieces of stories that I'm like, why wasn't I told the whole version of this? Or, oh, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this as I'm walking around um, out in the, the native lands um, that, were, that are unseated territory and I'm walking like what well here's pieces of this here's pieces of history I was I was never told what am I even looking at um and I I love that this is it's the uh, the amount of research that has gone into these poems is, is just astronomical. And it's just representative of how much we just really haven't, have not been told or invited into to question more. And I feel like this is really, it is an invitation. It's, um, yeah, you you weren't told these things. That's not your fault. And here they are. What do you want to do with them? And I love-
1: Some of them. Here are some of the things- and yeah. what more, what, what are you interested in? Cause certainly some of these poems didn't, I didn't think I was going to deal with some of the topics that I deal with, but I started in some other inquiry and then, you know, some side comment or some small detail. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that led to some serious deep diving, um, you know like probably the most obscure one is in um osmosos arrieros or the young Muleteers that was a a side reference somewhere to mule packs going from Walla Walla to Boise and the more I learned it was predominantly Mexican mule packers at this gold rush that i had forgotten about um through eastern washington and you know that they that these you know mec these men saw this amazing opportunity to take their skills and make some good money and with uh some some ways you know it's less risky it's the sort of levi strauss approach you know give them make your money by give, by being the people who support the gold miners rather than being a gold miner. Um, I mean, it was more risky in the sense that, you know, they were carrying goods and, you know, people would hijack them on the roads and stuff because they knew there were goods to be gotten. <laughs> but, you know, it was serious business for, for a long time and, as a result, there, you know, are long-standing, this, it's not necessarily all recent immigrants uh, from Mexico to the region. Like, these are long sta- some of the times, long-standing communities from the, you know, even before many white people got to this area. And so to, you know, we, it was so amazing to me, but there there's very few current, I would say current in the terms of like the last 60 years, historical references looking, you know, there's not a lot written about it from a more modern perspective, but there were some com- contemporaneous things. And so I had to go to, you know, to really dive into to that one. I had to go to this um, library on the Berkeley, UC Berkeley campus where, you know, you wear gloves, and you <laughs> go through like,
0: it's... <laughs> wow! Oh, wow! Yeah.
1: But it's for for somebody like me, it was absolutely delightful to just, you know, revel in all these old newspapers, and... Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, I that is something I would love to have an experience in. That's so... Uh, I just, I love that we have stuff that old, too. I mean, obviously, that doesn't even go back um before there was written down things but i just love those i love the the little the rabbit holes that end up opening whole worlds i feel like these there are there are many lines and poems in this collection that that did that and i've written some of them down. like i'm gonna go look into that more um and, wow i've ne- i have never heard of that um and which is i i feel like is part of your point these are forgotten histories and here's your invitation to here's a smorgasbord of things i've found. Um, and I invite you to kind of springboard off of that um I think there's there's not one line that can sum up any any poetry collection, but um I think one that might come close to we'll say previewing uh this collection of monarch it's from the poem uh Prometheus Feld, but five thousand years were undone in one afternoon, and the reverence that that gave me for just every footstep that i have on a land that like i just i don't know hardly anything about i think that was the line for me that was like that was the most inspirational of to me of i need to learn more about what what has been erased what what is it's so easy to erase things we have 5000 years of history and it's just gone in one well, and often
1: unintentionally that was not the intention of that right of that researcher
0: right yeah just how the the reverence for like how much more carefully should i what would i want to be moving through the world if i knew that i'm accidentally passing things by destroying things not just out of my unawareness and carelessness, not malicious intent at all um but it's really heightened my awareness of what what is around me that that I have been missing and that that I I could erase accidentally without without being aware again you you how could you know your complicity unless now you're now we're being told um, and it's uh, but I'm someone I'm someone who who likes who likes poetry because I write poetry, I read poetry. Um, what would you say to uh, someone who uh, maybe they they just, they don't, they say they don't understand poetry or they think, oh, poetry is just not my thing. Um, What, because I just, I find this, this so inspirational and it's an easier way into history than like, here's a giant textbook (laughs) for you to read and give you flashbacks to, you know, (laughs) high school history classes. Um, What would you, what would you say to someone who is maybe not, they just they're intimidated by poetry, maybe
1: right, well, I think um there's two things happening. I think a lot of people have been taught that poetry's some elevated obscure thing for the hyper educated um and that you have to be quite clever to get it, and um it's such a shame because so many cultures poetry is how people engage with each other, you know, like the winter solstice celebrations in, um, you know, Iranian culture is you all share poems like that <laughs> people memorize and share poems with each other among other things like delicious food. <laughs> but, um, you know, for some reason in this culture, we've made it something rarefied when it's not. And then, to add to that, there are people who do want to play with language, and I don't fault them for that. That language poetry is, you know, its own thing, and uh, experimental poetry is its own thing. And I think those scare people who aren't in that world or open to that world. Those those are harder to access. I think with this first of all it's just never been really my style of poetry. But with this collection I definitely wanted to make history more engaging and make poetry I wanted to have poetry that was more accessible and history that was more engaging because I I wanted it to be I wanted it to have a broader audience. I you know, ideally this is taught in schools, either at the, you know, higher levels of high school or early levels of college. That that's my dream that like that people are are being taught monarch not because monarch's the most amazing book, but really again to to help people Think of how they engage with their communities and landscapes in a different way.
0: Yes, well, and I know that. I mean, that was that was you have a success in in one reader here who has changed initially because I mean, when I hear the word monarch, I thought of a butterfly, and that ended up being a, a bit of a surprise in the poem. I won't, I won't ruin it for readers. Um, Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Yes, I, I will. Uh, there's a there's a spoiler alert there. Um, but I, I love that, though, that I and I think that is what that's what poetry does, is it opens up other doors where you think things are one way like, oh, I I, I was taught this. I know this. And then poetry can be a kind of a gentler invitation into what about this or have you considered that? Um, I think the other thing that makes monarchs so accessible is that the. The, every poem is full of very concrete images. And I think that's one thing that I've um heard people who say, well, I'm not I'm not into poetry, I can't understand it. It's um, you know, if you wanted to be understood, why wouldn't you write an essay sort of thing? And it's like, but when they read poetry, they can see. Then they get it. And 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 monarch is poetry that you can see and feel and sense. And um, feel it changing you as you walk through, at least where, where I am. Um, because it's especially the poems that talk about the place that I am. Um, I uh, like w- I was uh, reading it and I wrote uh, here from the poem uh, Hercules Powder Works. How do you bury bodies gathered in pieces by search parties with gunny sacks? I had to stop um, and reread the entire poem. That poem, that line changed the entire my understanding of the that poem and really the the collection too, because reading monarch feels like this like unearthing and sort of gathering of, we kind of touched on this earlier, of of stories, of ghosts, of 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 bodies, if you will, that have been kind of strewn in pieces throughout uh, the, the these four states that this um, collection focuses on um, and we uh, you would in your um, kind of in your mentioned earlier about talking about the structure how you knew you wanted list poems and you knew you wanted these um, these awesome timelines that open each section um, and uh, so it sort of seems like the structure uh, kind of, kind of came to you in a way when you're kind of wrestling with how this is not just one poem, this is much bigger than that. Um, do you, do you find that, the that, that structure was a way into um, this, the structure of the, the collection um, kind of is what I mean. And having there be four sections and then there be um, I, I noticed right away a, a rhythm of kind of a, a section this almost back and forth kind of thing um how how deliberate was that structure did it kind of present itself to you and um say here i am this is how this is how i want to be written cuz there are sometimes where stuff like that crawls down our arm or was it um kind of more of a you working and molding um these poems as as they um as they were written
1: yeah the timeline ones i would say once i understood that they the it was just so big it was very clear those were going to be the timelines i knew i wanted to have a timeline for each section but i wasn't sure what what was going to be the timeline and it really got to you know when when it was becoming so big and i couldn't think of how i would edit it down it meant It needed everything to be there. And then the poems in between, and then the list poems also, those ones I kind of in the back of my head knew. Like these are things that are, these are items that show a big arc or uh, the scope of an event that really was transformative. And the the items speak louder than anything else for me could speak, and so those those were in some ways easier in terms of knowing what the format was going to be, whereas the other ones, um, yeah, sometimes they started off as like incredibly long two line, you know, couplets, and became four lines or something. You know, those I played around with a little bit more here and there. And it only, <laughs> this is how I, my brain just clearly loves um, constraints because I had not even clocked that every timeline is exactly three pages. <laughs> it was only.
0: Oh, okay. Somebody, I thought that was, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody else. I mean, I wanted, they, they, I knew they were going to be around the same length, but of course on the on an eight and a half by 11 page, they look different. Right. So it was interesting. It was just, somebody was interviewing me recently at an event and I was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Hadn't even paid attention, but I like clearly internally had by that point, like tuned in to some rhythm
0: I love those unconscious things that show up in our writing where people um, are like, oh, yeah, that that thing really spoke to me in your writing. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was there. Uh, are there things in Monarch that have come to your attention since that have shown up that you're like, I did not consciously include that. But there it is.
1: Um, I think it's more... It's interesting which poems are resonating with people because there there's been a couple that I also I almost took out because I thought, oh they're kind of maybe not as strong and pe- you know I was talking with a book club, which I'm totally open to doing if anybody wants me to do that <laughs> um, I highly recommend it for writers like it was amazing to hear other people's perspectives. Um, Yeah, it was such an amazing gift to participate in that book club. But yeah, they definitely, you know, started with the poem that I thought was the weakest poem in the whole collection. So, you know, I'm like, wow, okay, that really spoke to you. That's amazing. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Clearly, my judgment's wrong.
0: Yes. Yes, trust we trust our readers often. I find that too. like I'm submitting a collection of or a, some poems and I'm like, oh, "Should I include that one? I don't know." And that's the one they like the most. It's so interesting how that that seems to happen. Um and and speaking of of um in, in like particular poems, um did you have a I don't necessarily want to say favorite, but um, did you have one that you found to be either the the most interesting to write, um, the one that you liked working with the most, um, one that stands out to you in some way the most in this collection? Oh
1: gosh, you're asking me to choose among my children.
0: Oh, that's why I didn't want to say. <laughs> <you. laughs> you we know, all love our poems equally, of course, of course.
1: <laughs> I, I mean. Mm. There are a couple that I really enjoyed diving into the research and seeing after the gold rush, for instance, which talks about um, how rice became one of the biggest crops in California and the origins of that and the origins of um, anti-Japanese sentiment despite the fact that they are, you know, the people who, you know, brought rice production to California um that one I knew it sort of became two poems became one in that collection because I knew I wanted to deal with rice because I did grow up near rice uh fields in Sacramento and then I knew I wanted to look at the incarceration of of the Japanese during World War II and Japanese-Americans. And I didn't know that they were interconnected when I started looking at that research. So that one in terms of research was one of the more satisfying like, oh my, you know, what?
0: (laughs) Yes. And then
1: In terms of oh, I don't know, oh, it's so hard. There's so many that I just really um, have such soft spots for. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I was you know, Chevlin maybe was another one where it's uh, something I grew up with. I knew Shevlin. Some of my family worked for Shevelin Hickson. Like we I, I knew Shevlin. I thought we'd go to Shevlin Park. I, I went to Shevlin Park in October, you know. I was I was raised with these lumber mills in Central Oregon. And you think you know something and then <laughs> cuz you certainly know the geography sort of. Like it's in your belly in a particular way. Mm-hmm, yeah. But then I came across something. Well, I was like, oh, what, you know, let's look at the mills. And then I was like, wait, it was a movable town? How have we never talked about
0: (laughs) how has this not come up?
1: (laughs) How does this not come up? And how is it even at the park there, they don't really, I don't think they have any, they have some talk about Chevlin Hickson. Obviously they donated the land, but they don't have any talk about the mobility of the town for which you know anyway, craziness, craziness, so that one I you know, because that was something I just had grown up, had known my entire life since you know I was in my mama's belly, but didn't know
0: right, knew but didn't know, yes, there was that quality too, where I'm reading um some of these poems, and it's like. I, I somehow that this seems familiar, like something I once knew, but long forgot, but I, it's never been a conscious, it was never consciously taught to me. There's just, there's a familiarity and a strangeness um, both that I think that you've captured um, in, in this, which in this collection, which I think is part of um, living in, in this region, living in, in this country um, as, as, as non-natives and like, yeah, well, you know, i I've, lived in this country my whole life. So there is a familiarity. And yet there's, there is this strangeness, almost this like, now that I've read this, like, oh, what am, am I intruding? What am I, what am I, what have I been put in the middle of? Um, And again, back to that, and what could I be accidentally... Erasing or stepping over. Um mm-hmm.
1: or who am uh, I forgetting? Because they're huge heroes. I mean, Dr. Alan Hart should be known to everybody. You know, Jackson Sundown should be known to people in the rodeo world. Like there are heroes that did amazing, amazing things that we don't know. You know, Kenju Akuda. We should know Kenju Akuta. I, we know Grover Cleveland and he was great. Why don't we know Kenji Wakuda?
0: I love the, the, in the collection of, of voices and, and uh, highlights in this collection that there are, there are heroes. There are people that we want to know more about once, once there's, there's just a little bite size of uh snippet of these stories. And I think that's another thing poetry does really well is it It's a, it's an invitation into more. It's this kind of grabs your attention and then sends you off into your own, your own exploration, your own research. That's at least that's what I think um, good poetry does. Um, I, uh, I want to, um, kind of shift into our our last, uh, not really segment, but, um, before I do that, there's just a couple a couple of questions uh, that I have left for you. one is what do you what did you find to be the most challenging um piece of this uh, writing this collection and putting it together? Oh, I would say
1: knowing that I couldn't capture all the communities that deserve to be captured and and all the histories that deserve to be captured. So I challenge everybody to find those and write those themselves and share it with everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the hardest. And also, you know, I, again, I am not trying to write in the point of view of communities that I do not belong in. Um, but I do want to shine a light on those histories and amplify the voices for the people who are in those communities who are doing the history and writing the history and talking the history. And, um, And I want to create more conversations where the ones that I, you know, the histories I couldn't tackle are being tackled.
0: Excellent. Yes. Oh, I love that. What, um, what, what, not just permission, but invitation that that is for um, others that you can do this too. And, and also what a great way to discover um, even those, those little rabbit hole stories that end up being whole worlds. I love that. Um, for these, Please the do final- this too.
1: It's not just an yeah. invitation. It's a plea. Please do this. Like we all need it. We all need it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We can't, because as you said, you, you, there, we can't, as one writer, we can't include everything. We, as one person, we can't unearth all of these stories ourselves. We need, speaking of collections, we need the collection of voices. To follow, I mean, this this covers four states, <laughs> four out of fifty, and there's so much more to uncover even in in these four states. Um, but this is a wonderful, just very like there's I as I was reading, I wrote down all these lines that that I'm still thinking about that keep coming up that um, inform how I go um, about the world, how I read other things, um, just that. Um, I'm going to say it again because it's it keeps coming up. Perhaps they wondered why mercy is the onus of the victim. How much does that capture what's going on right now even? Um, why is it that mercy is always the victim's job? Why is that? Um, so for the final question, and then I'm going to invite you to read um, a poem that uh, I I had myself to read over and over and wanted to know what is this like in the, in the writer's voice? Um, is there anything that you wish that I would have asked you about that I did not?
1: No, this has been a delight. No, I'm good. Excellent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love then for you, if you're willing to read the poem, Miss Atomic Blast.
1: Sure. Miss Atomic Blast. 1951 Vegas was young, small, and ignorant, if not innocent. Six hotels on the Strip, Sinatra debuted at the Desert Inn, and the Nevada test site became a spectacle. Calendars were given with detonation times, best places to watch. Showgirls and singers, craps and blasts, who could ask for anything more? Atomic cocktails and penthouse views, sunglasses and souvenirs, toys and candies, dawn bomb parties to revel in the lighting of a night sky. A sands chorus girl danced on Angel's Peak as Test Cloud bloomed behind. Her poses named Apprehension and Impact, Awe and Survival. Tests were named Annie and Priscilla, Hornet, and Bee. At the El Rancho, a young dancer was crowned Miss Atomic Blast, awarded 10 pounds of mushrooms. In 1957, another showgirl won Miss Atomic Bomb, icon of blonde curls, red lips, white bikini with cotton mushroom from hips to chin. Flash-blinded sheep, Joshua trees smoldered. Burns killed livestock. but general said the worst was a mouthful of dirt. The government said no danger outside the bombing range. 41 years. 928 tests. Soldiers who witnessed were more likely to die from leukemia, prostate, and throat cancers. And now, as fans of TV's Chernobyl rush to relish its devastation, the U.S. Department of Energy offers tours of the Nevada site, calls Sedan Crater the perfect place for a group photo. The pit created by a 104-kiloton device, 635 feet underground. Radiation signs hang from wire fences. The tour is booked out for a year.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes, chills every time, chills every time. Thank you so much, Heather, for this conversation, for your work in general, for Monarch in particular. Um, we will be uh, putting uh, a show note in the show notes um, where you can get this collection and where you can find um, more from Heather. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure today.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Megan. This is wonderful.